When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you. And Senator, uh, you and I were chatting before the show that it's been one hell of a week for the corrupt media, and they've just been stepping in it all week long. Well, listen, it's it's one of the most dangerous aspects in our democracy today is that we no longer have a free and independent media. We no longer have uh, a, a media that, that engages in actual journalism. And I, I don't think that's hyperbole. You know, there was a time when people in the media viewed their mission as reporting both sides, as reporting the facts as, a, a, and letting you decide. There was a time when journalists were trained to focus on the facts, the who, what, where, when, why, and not focus on editorializing. That no longer is the mission of the corporate media. The corporate media today, they have embraced their view as propagandists. They have embraced their view as partisans. And and in fact, when it comes to partisans, I think the, the corporate media are the most vicious leftists there are. They, they, they will criticize the Democrat Party for one thing and one thing only, and that's not being leftist enough. They're, they view their job as drive them to the left. And they also are the attack dogs. And, and I got to say, when they're engaged in attacks, their bigotry comes out, their ignorance comes out, their despite, despising of anyone who isn't a leftist comes out. And, and, and it really, the double standard is profound. Yeah, you look at this week, and just one of those perfect examples is what happened with Don Lemon. And to be clear, before we play this, 
if a Republican, if a conservative would have said this on TV, I have no doubt that they would have been fired. In fact, I can even say if I was at CNN and I was there for seven years, if I would have said what I'm about to play for you, I would have immediately been shown the door. And yet Don Lemon gets to come back without an apology. Take a listen. This all the talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley is in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you talk? Wait. That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got it. I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, well, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for like child touring or are you talking about prime for being president? What the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home. When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime according to Google Google or whatever it is. Now, I love it because they're even mocking him on the set. They can't believe he's actually saying this. They're, They're obviously trying to protect him in a sense. But then he doesn't even have to apologize, Senator, and he gets his job back, right? Well, look. His comments there are drippingly misogynistic. You know, Joe Biden is, what, 142 years old. And, and according to him, apparently Biden is in his prime. But but he's willing to suggest that that once a woman hits her 40s, by her 50s, she's over the hill. Just just just, you know, put her out to pasture. And, and it's there's a reason he's willing to say say that, because he doesn't consider Nikki Haley a woman. It's the point we made on on the pod we just did with Wesley Hunt. Don Lemon does not consider Wesley Hunt to be a black man. Don Lemon does not consider me to be Hispanic. If you dare to be conservative, the left erases you from whatever victim class they want to put. They put everyone in victim classes, but they define it. You're only black if you're a leftist. As Joe Biden said, if you're not voting for Joe Biden, you ain't black. I mean, what a bigoted thing to say um don lemon i promise you despises clarence thomas why because he dares as a black man to be a conservative and don lemon not only despises nikki haley but he views her with a particular if it were just a white guy fine he could live with that old fat bald white guys are the one group they think are allowed to be conservatives but if you're a woman you're a traitor. And so his comments reveal the particular contempt. You know, the differential of how the left treats Clarence Thomas versus how they treated Antonin Scalia. Antonin Scalia was a strong conservative, was brilliant. And the left didn't like him, but they didn't react. Uh, you know, you had one magazine that, that, that portrayed Clarence Thomas as an Uncle Tom uh, basically shining the shoes of Antonin Scalia. That's bigoted and racist, but they ira- contempt is their feeling. And, and so after he made these comments, CNN realized, uh-oh, he stepped in it. Now, you're right, Ben. If you'd said the exact same thing, if you read his words on air, they would have fired you probably before you were finished speaking. Yeah. But for Don Levin, because he's a left- leftist and because he was attacking a Republican— 
all is fine and good. So he put out a tweet. I want to read the tweet he made. The reference I made to a woman's prime this morning was inartful and irrelevant, as colleagues and loved ones have pointed out, and I regret it. A woman's age doesn't define her either personally or professionally. I have countless women in my life who prove that every day. Now, this statement is several things. I'll tell you what it is not. An apology. Nowhere in there are the words, I'm sorry. Nowhere in the words are, I'm a bumbling, left-wing, hypocritical, misogynist jackass, which is what he should have said. You know what he also doesn't say? That what he said was wrong. What he says is, it's inartful. In other words, may have been true in his mind, but he didn't express it quite as artfully, as elegantly as he might have. And he said, and irrelevant. Now, irrelevant doesn't mean wrong either. It just means, well, I shouldn't have pointed it out because, I don't know, it's not relevant because people criticized me. And, and he, he, he goes on. He says, and I regret it. He doesn't say, I'm sorry. He doesn't apologize to Nikki Haley, to women. He doesn't apologize. And then he says, a woman's age doesn't define her either personally or professionally. Well, he still isn't disagreeing with his asinine statement. Look, my wife Heidi turned 50 last year. Heidi Cruz is absolutely in her prime. In fact, Heidi is going to run a marathon next month uh, to celebrate turning 50. Uh, Margaret Thatcher, who last I checked, wasn't in her 20s or 30s or 40s. And she was in her prime. Unbelievable you, leader. You want to talk about a woman who bestrode the earth like a colossus, who along with Reagan and Pope John Paul changed the course of human history. But you know what? Don Lemon doesn't think she was in her prime because she's not a woman. Why? Because she's conservative and you don't count as a woman for leftists. And then the amazing thing is, what does CNN do? They take him off the air for two days and then back on air because it's a double standard that only applies to one political side of the aisle. There, there was something that, that I laugh about because I woke up this morning to a text from a former colleague of mine that, that, at CNN and it said, uh, please check Don Lemon's Twitter. And at 4.35 a.m., he took so much heat from the tweet that you just read that he then put out a new tweet, and this is what it said. I appreciate the opportunity to be back on CNN this morning today. To my network, my colleagues, and our incredible audience, I'm sorry. I've heard you. I'm learning from you, and I'm committed to doing better. See you soon. Yet he still can't bring himself to actually apologize to the person he originally offended. So even the, like, and, okay, and by I the way, let me, be, let me be clear. Let me be clear, Ben. It's not just Nikki Haley who, who, who I mean, he did insult her by saying she's not in her prime. But he insulted every woman in her 50s, in her 60s, in her 70s. What an asinine statement. By the way, under the Constitution, the minimum age to be president of the United States is 35. So I guess in Don Lemon's world, there is a 15-year window when a woman in her prime is allowed to be president between 35 and, and 49 and a half. Yeah. Like, and what an asinine proposition. And mind you, Joe Biden, they don't think anything of it. Uh, Hillary Clinton, I guarantee you, Don Lemon never said, you know what? Hillary Clinton wasn't in her 40s when she ran for president. It's an absolute double standard. No, it certainly is. And, and by the way, Don Lemon wasn't the only one to step in it this week. 
Andrea Mitchell had her own uh, big oops moment. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But first, I want to tell you about Patriot Mobile. Uh, many of you have actually reached out. It's cool when we start to hear from people that make the switch to Patriot Mobile, the only conservative Christian cell phone coming to the U.S. One of you that was a small business owner sent a message to me saying, Ben, they're awesome. Thanks for telling me about Patriot Mobile. Now, what happens with Patriot Mobile is what you're going to love. You get the same cell phone service you have right now. The same coverage, you keep your same cell phone number if you want to. You can 99% of the time keep your same cell phone that you have in your hand, or you can upgrade to a new one, except when you pay your bill, you're actually fighting for what you believe in because they take a portion of your bill every month at Patriot Mobile, and they stand up for our First and Second Amendment rights. They support causes like standing up for unborn children and helping with adoptions. So when you use your phone, when you send a text message, and when you pay your bill, you're actually supporting the values that you believe in. Many times you'll actually save money. And if you've got a business or a small business, check out Patriot Mobile because they have a business division that can help you switch all those lines over as well. Go online to patriotmobile.com slash verdict. That's patriotmobile.com slash verdict or call them 878-PATRIOT. Use the promo code verdict for the best deals of the day. 878-PATRIOT. Senator uh, Andrea Mitchell also got herself in a lot of hot water this week uh, when she did what the only way I can describe is basically a hit uh, on Governor Ron DeSantis trying to imply that he's some sort of extreme Klansman racist. And she had an interview, an NBC exclusive with Vice President Harris. And here's what was said. And the only problem with what was said is it wasn't true. Let me ask you. Yeah. What does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida school children? I don't know what he knows and what he doesn't know, but I know this. Any push to censor America's teachers and tell them what they should be teaching in the best interest of our children in in partnership with the parents of America is, I think, um, wrong-headed. The people who know our children best are their parents and their teachers in terms of the time they spend and the investment they've placed in the brains and capacity of our children who are our nation's future. And it should not be some politician saying what should be taught in our classrooms. And I, I mean... This story, the problem with it is it's not true, Senator, as you pointed out. So, so there are lots of problems with it. Number one, uh, Andrea Mitchell is, the question is incredibly ignorant. Like what she's saying, it's not even just a little bit not true. It's a total blatant lie, but it is a blatant lie based on her assumptions that all Republicans are ignorant Philistines who don't want uh, history taught in any way, uh, who don't want uh, who don't want slavery or the aftermath of slavery taught. Now, of course, Florida schools teach about slavery and the aftermath of slavery. And by the way, you want to talk about who wants to cover up history, Andrea? Who was it? that signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Oh, yeah, that was Abraham Lincoln. That was the first Republican president. 
Who was it that founded the Ku Klux Klan? Oh, yeah, those were Democrat politicians. Who was it that wrote the Jim Crow laws? Oh, yeah, those were Democrat politicians. Who was it that eulogized an exalted cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan, Robert Byrd? Oh, yeah, that was Joe Biden, the sitting Democrat president of the United States. You want to talk about who doesn't want to deal with slavery in the aftermath of slavery? It is Andrea Mitchell, who's never reported on any of those facts. The absurdity of saying that Republicans, in this case Ron DeSantis, don't want the fact of slavery taught is deliberately ignorant, and it's based on the same assumption. Look, what she is doing and what Don Lemon did are the exact same thing. They have contempt for anyone who isn't a leftist, and they assume these these ridiculous caricatures. So, for example, Ben, I, I'll go back to 2021, uh, where Andrea... Uh, Mitchell, again, tweets out, I had commented about the, the Trump impeachment trial, uh, the second trial, and, and I said uh, it was, as Shakespeare put it, full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. Now, Andrea Mitchell jumps on Twitter and she tweets the following. Ted Cruz says impeachment trial is like Shakespeare, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. No, that's <laughs> Faulkner. <laughs> now that's her response now she i actually let a little bit of time elapse because twitter was really wonderful in that and that everyone piled on and pointed out that no you fool that is in fact from william shakespeare uh from macbeth life is a tale told, told by an idiot full of sand sound and fury and signifying nothing and faulkner when he wrote The Sound and the Fury, was quoting from Shakespeare. So Mitchell finally, when the entire world pounded on her how ridiculous she was, she sends out this, this sort of apology tweet. I clearly studied too much American literature and not, not enough Macbeth. My apologies to Senator Cruz. Now, look, I don't care about the fact that she gets this wrong, but it reveals a mindset, which is, listen, you can... You can disagree with me. You think can think I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong about a lot of things in life. Certainly, uh, my wife and daughters would tell you I am. But Mitchell, among all the criticisms, I think it would be difficult to make the case that I'm an illiterate imbecile. I might be misguided. I might be <laughs> mistaken. But but I did manage to pass the third grade. And but to Andrea Mitchell's mind. Any Republican is an oaf, is a bigot, is an imp. So the sort of her ignorant dripping, no, that's Faulkner. No, my dear, I, I, I actually have studied literature. And it shows a mindset. And by the way, let's go back to Kamala Harris's answer. After you see Mitchell's dripping condescension for the state of Florida and and. Notice, by the way, her total loving question for Kamala. What does Ron DeSantis not understand about the black experience? Good job, Andrea. Cutting question. Way to put put Kamala on, on defensive. Like, please attack one of the leading Republican opponents to, 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 to Joe Biden. 
Oh, yeah, okay. it's, shoot, it's shooting fish in the barrel, and this is what the media does when they have these soft interviews. And I love how they put up their exclusive, right? Like it's a really big get for for Andrew Mitchell with the vice president. And then you just hand them these questions when there's real pressing matters. This is what they give them. Well, and and being given the please attack the Republican, of course, Kamala Harris is more than happy to oblige because, look, Andrea Mitchell is a leftist. The interview would not have proceeded differently if they had the press secretary for the Joe Biden for president campaign conducting it. The press secretary would ask the same questions Andrea Mitchell would because they both have the same objective, which is to get the Democrats reelected. Now, you look at Kamala's response where Kamala's like, well, no, I don't know what he knows or doesn't know. Silly, ignorant, bigoted Republican. But what I know is nobody should censor teachers. Now, let me pause for a second and say that that actually is an answer. On one level, that sounds, well, censorship is bad. So, gosh, nobody should censor teachers. That sounds great. And she says no politician should decide what's taught in school. Well, what she's not acknowledging is that every public school sets curriculum and curriculum is set. So, for example, you choose, are we going to teach arithmetic? Are we going to teach history? Are we going to teach English? What are the topics that we want to set for students to learn in our schools? And the irony is when she says no politician should decide what's being taught, Kamala Harris adamantly wants what happened here is Ron DeSantis declined to have Florida schools teach the curriculum for the so-called AP course in African-American studies. That was a hard leftist critical race theory narrative about how America is fundamentally and irredeemably racist. It, it cited numerous Marxist authors pushing critical race theory, dividing us on race, indoctrinating and, and, and this is one of the things that, that so often today's left does. What they're criticizing is what they are trying to do. They want teachers to indoctrinate. And, and Kamala throws in teachers and parents. Well, to be honest, she doesn't believe in parents because Kamala and Biden and the Democrats, they don't want parents to have a say. If you ask parents... Should we be teaching critical race theory in schools? The overwhelming majority of parents say no. And by the way, Democrats, when it comes to critical race theory, they give incoherent answers. On one one level, they say it's not being taught. It's only a college-level class. On the other level, they say if you don't teach it, you're erasing slavery from school. Well, those are both false statements, but it shows the hard ideology of today's Democrat politicians and also the blatant partisanship of today's corporate media. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart to heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, 
the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Andrea Mitchell did have to come out uh, after she was hammered for lying and give a quasi-apology at the very end of her show, as she described as a postscript. Here is the, again, fake apology from another member of the liberal media. And a postscript. In my interview last Friday with Vice President Harris, I was imprecise in summarizing Governor DeSantis' position about teaching slavery in schools. Governor DeSantis is not opposed to teaching the fact of slavery in schools, but he has opposed the teaching of an African-American studies curriculum, as well as the use of some authors and source materials that historians and teachers say makes it all but impossible for students to understand the broader historic and political context behind slavery and its aftermath in the years since. So I'm wrong, but I'm still right. Is that is that the new apology of the left when you screw up this big? Well, she just gave Don Lemon's apology. She said it was inartful. Um, no, it was false. It was a blatant lie. It was an ignorant lie. You're still not correcting the lie. And in fact, she says he's opposed to teaching an African-American studies curriculum because, she says, historians say this is necessary to understand it. Really, which historians? Those would be the Marxists that are pushing critical race theory, which I don't know that Mitchell claims this, but I'm certain she does uh, claim that it's not being taught in schools, except now she says it's essential to understand slavery. Once again, it's not an apology. It's a non-apology because she flat out lied. She flat out lied on air and she didn't care to to even bother to know what the facts are. And look, this is very similar to the earlier controversy in Florida where the media and I don't know if Mitchell said anything about it, but I bet she did, um, where, where they attacked the Florida law as the don't say gay law. Yeah. You know? And it oh. never said that anywhere in there at all. What the Florida law essentially said, I said, if you want to call it something, the right thing to call it is don't say sex. It, it prohibited teaching about sexuality for grades pre-K, kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. So third graders and below don't say sex. And by the way, look, I, I'm a parent, you're a parent. I don't want my kindergartner being taught about gay sex or straight sex. Like, my, I want my kindergartner playing with blocks. Yeah. And, and, and I would be deeply dismayed to have the teacher getting into sex and sexuality with five-year-olds most parents agree with that by the way 
A large majority of Florida parents agree with that. And let's be clear, the Florida law by fourth grade, fourth grade, hey, have at it, you know, apparently, you know, play Debbie Does Dallas and get in anything you want, but, but wait until they get to fourth grade. And so the media was deliberately dishonest about that law, just like they're being deliberately dishonest, saying don't teach about slavery is like don't say gay. That is not, in fact, what is happening. But remember, we started this podcast with the premise the media has abandoned its mission of actually being journalists and reporting facts. Can you imagine Walter Cronkite saying what Don Lemon said? Can you imagine Walter Cronkite asking that profoundly ignorant and dishonest question that Andrea Mitchell said? Can you imagine Tim Russert doing that? They're used. Can you imagine Ted Koppel doing that? There used to be actual journalists who cared about getting it right, who cared about not engaging in political advocacy, and the Don Lemons of the world and, and the Andrea Mitchells of the world have utterly abandoned any pretense at journalism. Yeah, another example of this is in the New York Times. We've got new uh, intel on the fallout of when one of your colleagues was asked to write an op-ed and it was total chaos that this was given to a sitting U.S. senator. Before I tell you that story, I want to talk about our good friends over at Augusta Precious Metals. If you've been working hard and preparing for retirement, you know right now uh, more than at probably any other time, you want to protect what you've saved. That is where Augusta Precious Metals comes in. They want to talk to you about your retirement and protecting your hard-earned assets. They do this by using gold and silver. Augustus Precious Metals is all about protecting IRAs and 401ks in this crazy, crazy economy. It is so important the closer you get to the actual retirement years because there's less time or no time to make up your losses. So if you've saved $100,000 or more, you should take a look at their free guide or sign up for their web conference. Both of them are filled with economic insights and a gold, gold IRA info for your peace of mind. They also do a web conference. I have done this. I use Augusta Precious Metals. They have helped me diversify, and that's another reason why I want you to call them. 877-4-GOLD-IRA, a conservative company, 877-4-GOLD-IRA, or visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's Augusta preciousmetals.com say i sent you and they'll pay your fees for up to 10 years augustapreciousmetals.com uh senator there was another story this week that really pulled back the curtain behind the initial freak out over tom cotton writing an op-ed at the new york times set the stage for everybody they may have forgotten this story and then we'll get in the nitty-gritty of of the total anarchy that happened at the idea, the thought of a sitting U.S. senator writing an op-ed in the New York Times. So this was in the summer of 2020, and you'll recall there were Antifa and Black Lives Matter riots all over the city, all over the country, rather. There were American cities on fire. There were riots. There were stores being looted. There were police cars being firebombed. There were police officers being murdered. And during all of this time, Tom Cotton, my colleague, Republican senator from Arkansas, wrote an op-ed. And in the op-ed, he advocated that the president should send in the National Guard to quell the unrest. 
And he submitted the op-ed to the New York Times. Um, I don't believe they solicited it. I think he just submitted it. And the New York Times made the decision to publish it. Now, personally, I I actually didn't agree with Tom's op-ed. I I didn't think that was the right solution to send in the National Guard. I thought it should be handled as a law enforcement matter. I think they should have sent in police officers and arrested the rioters and put them in jail. But but I didn't think uh, that that was... I was not persuaded that the National Guard was the right avenue for stopping the riots. I think the riots should have been stopped using law enforcement. Be that as it may, it was a perfectly reasonable point of view. And because the New York Times dared to acknowledge it exists, there was a meltdown in the newsroom. And and one of the things that's happened in journalism is there are lots of 20-somethings who were basically kids They've come out of universities that were woke little sanctuaries, and they're now working. They're working at places like the New York Times, and they have very fragile sensitivities, and they freaked out. They freaked out and demanded that the editor of the editorial page be fired. Now, who was the editor of the editorial page? A guy named James Bennett. James Bennett is a down-the-road, left-wing, Democrat partisan. He is unquestionably Democrat. The chances that James Bennett agreed with Tom Cotton's op-ed, I can quantify. They were 0.00%. He did not agree with it. By the way, James Bennett's brother, Michael Bennett, is a sitting Democrat senator from the state of Colorado. He's a Democrat through and through. Well, the children on the New York Times staff revolted, and what happened? The weak-kneed ownership at the New York Times promptly responded by firing Bennett. Why? For, for daring to publish the op-ed. Now, mind you, nobody would have minded if the New York Times wrote an editorial next to the op-ed and said, we disagree emphatically with the views advocated by Senator Be- uh, Cotton. This is a terrible view, and it's wrong. That's their right, but, but the children didn't want that. They didn't want even the fact that someone had a different view acknowledged. And then there's a new book coming out that quotes... Someone named Charlie Wurzel, who I've never heard of, but he is apparently a tech writer. He, he's a white guy, which unfortunately in the modern leftist uh, order of things, race is, is preeminent to everything. But this fellow, Charlie Wurzel, the tech, tech writer, started to cry because, quote, and this is from the new book that came out, none of his friends wanted to talk to him anymore because he worked for this horrible, evil newspaper that would print this op-ed. Now, first of all, okay, the reporter started to cry. Are you serious? Are there any journalists left at the New York Times? The idea, you think of hard-scrabble journalists. Can you imagine Woodward and Bernstein weeping of, oh, you very scary thing you published. My friends won't talk to me. I mean, this sounds like... A, a seventh grader throwing a fit. I'm reminded of the great movie, A League of Their Own, where, where Tom Hanks goes, there's no crying in baseball. If you had real journalists, there should be no crying among journalists. Look, if JFK is shot, you can cry. If Martin Luther King is shot, you can cry. If the Challenger space shuttle blows up, you can cry. But if you read scary words that frighten you and your censorious friends are mad at you, A real journalist doesn't cry and complain, fire the bad man. It it is indicative of just how broken today's corporate journalist is.
Yeah, and, 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 and so people understand this as well. The reason why Tom Cotton's letter, I think, was probably published is he's a former guy that enlisted in the United States Army, and so he had a unique perspective on the National Guard. Whether you agree with him or not, what he was saying sure. in his op-ed, it, was, it, it completely made sense for, for his op-ed to be published based on his service in the military. So people also know this inside baseball. Back in June of 2006, while he was stationed in Iraq, he actually gained a lot of public attention for writing an open letter to the editors of the New York Times. So it's not the first time he'd written a letter. It's not the first time he'd submitted it to the New York Times either. And, and, and yet he does it, they print it, and then it's off with their head anyone that actually helped allow this to see the light of day. Look, it is an example of how these are no longer journalists. The fact that Republicans exist should not be a triggering event for real journalists. And these little children that throw fits. By the way, the New York Times is a hard partisan indoctrination. Like, like I, I don't actually understand the value of having an editorial page that only carries one view. I guess their diversity of opinion is they have Bolsheviks and Mensheviks. But they almost <laughs> never run uh, views from any conservative, from any Republican. The, the New York Times is. Right, I have to ask you this. How many times have you submitted op-eds over, I mean, your career? It's 10-plus years in the Senate. But how many times have you even ever gotten a chance to submit and, and, and knew that, or is it a waste of time? I guess a better way of putting it, like, you know, they're going to say no to you, or have you ever had success of, of writing an op-ed that has actually been published in a liberal newspaper? So I've, uh, yes, um, I've written over the last 10 years, at least dozens, probably hundreds of op-eds. So I like writing op-eds. I like communicating the same reason I do the podcast. Um, same reason I write books. I, I, I think, one of the real responsibilities of doing this job is to use the pulley pul pulpit and try to persuade. Um, I've had a lot of op-eds published in the Wall Street Journal. I've had a lot of op-eds published in the Houston Chronicle, in the Dallas Morning News. I've had a lot of op-eds published in USA Today. have had op-eds published in the Washington Post. I don't remember. I think the New York Times may have published one op-ed of mine. I don't remember for sure. We submit a lot to the New York Times, and they fairly routinely turn me down. Now, I will tell you one amusing time when, when I did make the New York Times editorial pages. So they bashed me repeatedly. But one of their left-leaning editorialists, a guy named Frank Bruni, who had written, written in the New York Times bashing me over and over again, uh, he retired from the New York Times, decided to stop writing. And his farewell column was published on June seventeenth, 2021. And it's a fairly remarkable column, and, and I just pulled it up on my phone a second ago. I, I want to just read you the beginning of it. The title of, of his column is, Ted Cruz, I'm Sorry. And here's how the column begins. I owe Ted Cruz an apology, though really it's the readers to whom I should say I'm sorry. One day in 2015, when I had a column due in hours and couldn't settle on a topic, I took the easy route of unloading on Cruz who was one of the many unappealing contenders for the Republican presidential nomination. He was fair game for rebuke, no question there. 
But did I illuminate his dark character, enlighten my readers, or advance any worthwhile cause by comparing him repeatedly to the unstoppable entity in the horror movie It Follows? No, I just swam with the snide tide. I did that too often. Many columns do. And he goes on to talk about how, basically in the columns, he just wrote hard leftist drivel because it was easier to propagandize with all of the assumptions of one political side versus actually being a real objective commentator, which sadly the New York Times and, and much of the corporate media has abandoned as a vision for what they will do. Yeah, at least they got it right on this last one, though, right? I mean, just you, you do your whole career being a sellout, and then you're like, okay, maybe I should have done it a little differently. You can't make that up. I want to go. Look, to one I, that I did did kind of like that that his 2015 column compared me to an evil, malevolent, demonic spirit. I, <laughs> I, I have joked more than once. I've made this promise on the campaign trail. I've said, listen, if the New York Times ever starts praising me, I'm, I may have to resign right then and there. And and so you know, calling me. Yeah, Beelzebub is 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 probably par for the course for the times. Yeah, and you know what? It's not the worst thing someone's ever said. That's what I always remind people. Like, I can't believe so and so said something about you. I'm like, trust me, it's not the worst thing that's ever been said. Just get my name right. That's all I care about. You do that, and I'm happy to move on. One last thing, and the media is freaking out over this, and the lefties are just losing it. There was a headline also in the New York Times, an opinion piece by Brett Stevens. And the headline reads, the mask mandates did nothing, period. Will any lessons be learned? Question mark. Before we get into this article, I want to tell you about our friends over at Chalk. All right. If you are a man and you feel like you've got a little bit older, you feel like you've lost a little bit of your strength and vitality and you don't want to be, you know, kind of a woke liberal, you don't want to be weakness and complacent, then you need to check out chalk. The problem is in this country, men's testosterone levels are actually off a cliff historically. They're at an all-time low. Thankfully, the patriots at chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men take back their right to proudly maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up 20%. Over 90 days. Now, my buddy Jesse Kelly, he turned me on to this. He's like, Ben, you got to try chalk. And I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to do it. I've been telling you about chalk, and I've been using it now for about three weeks. I can tell you this. It works. I'm taking the male vitality stack, and you can try this as well. You can maximize your masculinity today. Go to chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. Use code BEN, and you'll get 35% off your chalk subscription for life. That's C-H-O-Q dot com. Use code BEN for 35% off. Subscriptions are cancelable at any time, so give it a shot. Chalk, C-H-O-Q dot com. Senator, the, this uh, opinion piece in the New York Times by Brett Stephen was awesome just because the pictures. And if you look at the pictures, it's all these disgusting masks that are on the ground that polluted the country and really the world uh, because of the obsession with masks. And now we're finding out that the most rigorous, and this is from this op-ed, and com comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficiency of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illnesses, including COVID-19. It was published late last month, not a lot of hoopla, and the consensus was clear. 
this was basically a total waste of time. There was no evidence, quote, that they mask make any difference uh, is what was said. Full stop in this. And the man, the left is freaking out over the fact the New York Times allowed this to even be published. Well, that's exactly right. And I'll tell you that the op ed continues after the. Uh, authors of this story says there there's just no evidence that they masks make any difference full stop uh the op-ed goes on from there to say but wait hold on what about n95 masks as opposed to lower quality surgical mask or, or cloth masks makes no difference none of it said jefferson what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates they were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. Uh, what, what about the utility of masks in conjunction with other preventive measures, such as hand hygiene and, and physical distancing or air, air filtration? There is no evidence that many of these things make any difference. And the op-ed continues, these observations don't just come from anywhere. Jefferson and 11 colleagues conducted the study for Cochrane, a British nonprofit that is widely considered the gold standard for its reviews of healthcare data. The conclusions were based on 78 randomized controlled trials, six of them done during the COVID pandemic, with a total of 610,872 participants in multiple countries. And they track what has been widely observed in the United States. States with mask mandate mandates fared no better against COVID than those without. Now, look, you and I were saying this. A year ago, we were saying this two years ago, the data were there then. By the way, Fauci said it two years ago until he decided it was politically more advantageous to flip and order people to wear masks. And you are right. It's stunning. The Times published this. I do wonder if there is a newsroom of crying children screaming that somebody else be fired for daring to publish this. But also, more broadly, where's the accountability? Where's Fauci being held accountable? Where's Joe Biden being held accountable? Right now, today, the Biden administration is litigating in federal court to have the authority to reinstate the mask mandate on airplanes. Now, if this is right, that the data show they have zero efficacy... Who's going to stand up and say, I was wrong? Have you heard Joe Biden say that? Yeah, no, he's not going to say Kamala Harris Fauci's, or Chuck yeah. Schumer or Fauci or anyone. These people that wrecked our economy, that destroyed millions of children's education, that destroyed businesses, that, that did trillions of dollars of damage. These people that decreed that elderly would die alone and not have their children and grandchildren able to hold their hands have to date borne zero responsibility. And even worse, they try to gaslight the American people. You have Randy Weingarten saying, oh, we didn't want to shut down schools. It was Republicans who shut down schools. It, 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 it's the absolute brazen chutzpah of just inverting reality. And yet, you know what? Our corporate media, the double standard, like Don Lemon, everyone who got up and lied to you for year after year after year, like Don Lemon, will be back on air, like Andrea Mitchell will be back on air, because if you are lying in pursuit of leftist ideology, truth and falsity don't matter, integrity doesn't matter, standards don't matter, 
if you are a propagandist, if you work at Pravda, which sadly too many of our journalists believe they do, then all that matters is your politics and journalism is dead. I couldn't have said it better myself, Senator. It was a fun show today uh, just to look at this terrible week for the left and getting busted over and over again all across the spectrum. Don't forget we do the show three days a week. Make sure you hit that subscriber auto download button. Please write us a five-star review as well. It helps us reach more people on the charts. And we will see you back here in a couple of days. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben.